Welcome to Empower Half an Hour, a mental health podcast that brings firsthand interviews and testimonies to you. Welcome to Empower Half an Hour. My name is Brandon Spatz, and I'm your host. Joining us today, we have David Reese. David has been a member of the Miracle Clubhouse in Dayton, Ohio, since 2020. Welcome to the podcast, David. Uh, thank you for having me, Brandon. Absolutely. It's good to have you here. What's your uh, mental health background? Well, it started uh, pretty young when I was about... Um... Probably about two or three, uh, I, my mom took me to a hearing specialist to see if I was listening to her, and um, I, they said that I could see if I could hear, and they said that I wasn't listening, so they want, want to check in the personality. So I started seeing, when I was probably in about second grade or first or second grade, I started seeing um, a child psychologist. And they thought it was a behavioral thing. And then when I was in fifth grade, I had my first depressions uh, in fifth grade. And so they diagnosed me as, um, well, in third grade, they gave me medication for ADD and then attention deficit disorder. And then in fifth grade, I had my first depression. And so they thought I was a major depression and it wasn't a major depressive. It wasn't until I was about 20 that I finally got diagnosed as ADHD, which is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, which is what they call it now, basically, and an anxiety disorder and rapid cycling bipolar, which is a kind of bipolar, which means you at least cycle four or more times in a year. So that's a, a long uh, stretch there from fifth grade to, to uh, 20 years old. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how the um, major depression showed up as uh, as a child, you know? Uh, yeah, um, when I was, um, so when I was in fifth grade, we had a, a teacher that was a really kind of tough on us. And um, my mom thought that's what was happening is that she was just hard and I was, an average student. Um, and, uh, but I got really down. I didn't eat. I didn't get up out of bed. I had some idolation of, you know, death, not necessarily suicidal thoughts, but more like I just wanted to be dead. I didn't want to be alive. But I, the most thing is I couldn't smile. I couldn't, you know, get up. I couldn't do much of anything. I had to stay home for an entire week from school. And it was very upsetting for me because, um, there, there was like an award that you got for having perfect attendance. And this was like the second or third, you know, last week, you know, there's only a couple of weeks left of school when I got depressed. I was almost had perfect attendance and I didn't get it. So I was upset uh, about that. And, but after the week was over, I just went back to being myself. So, you know, um, we ended up going to see a psychologist uh, for me after that. And uh, eventually, um, we started seeing a group. Uh, started. She added another doctor, uh, so I had a female doctor, and then we added a a female psychologist, and then we added a male doctor, a psychologist to go see um, with my parents, and then I also got a psychiatrist, and I got some medication for depression. So it sounds like you got the right steps taken at an early age to really be able to handle the depression. When you were a child, what were some of the feelings you went through? Did you ever feel that what you were going through was out of the normal for someone your age at the time? Well, when it came to the depression, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know how it wasn't as normal as, you know, nobody else was doing that. But when it came to the, some of the hyperactivity, I figured, like, I would get aggressive with my sister sometimes, my younger sister, and... um or even my older sister. I mean, I'd just be more hyper. And um, I figured, you know, that's kind of what people are like, right? You know, you have, especially kids, have uh, outbursts and stuff. And I didn't think there was really anything different. And I thought that the energy level that I had wasn't much different. But apparently, I was a little bit more active, a little bit more hyper than than the normal kid probably at the time because I, I had so much extra energy 
which was probably the uh, hypomania, the hypermania, um, was mostly hypomania, which is kind of a a low-grade mania. And some of it, a lot of it translated into, um, I would say, kind of anger or, um, you know, uh, irritation. And so I had a lot of anger problems. And I didn't think much of it at the time. I didn't think it was much different than anybody else. Pain that you were experiencing in the hypomanic episode, the anger could have just really um, resulted from the increased agitation levels that come with those type of episodes. Do you think you were able to tell that uh, you were experiencing those symptoms at the time, or do you think it was an after-the-fact um, realization? I mean... Obviously, we knew something was wrong when I got, especially when I got depressed. Um, that was not normal because I got depressed in like fifth grade and then sixth grade and then seventh, and it continued through high school. <clears throat> and I didn't really know anybody who was like that, where they were not able to get up. Uh, at one point, I was at the, because I wasn't eating, I was um, below my healthy level of weight for my size and you know the everything for and my age and so I knew something was something was up um and you know and then I realized I had a bigger temper a, a large a, a much worse temper than a lot of other people did and so I didn't know if that was just part of my personality or if that was something else going on and since they were just telling me I was depressed I I didn't know about the hypomania at the time so I just thought it was I was just depressed and and I had attention we knew we had an attention deficit disorder so I got put into a um in high school I got well junior high started in junior high we got put into a learning disability class which you know sometimes people picked on me about that and so when people started picking on me my temper would show up and when my temper would show up, people would pick on me more. And I think that caused me more stress. And I, uh, I think that might have been part of the reason I started getting, you know, more depressed because the more stress I had, the harder that was on me. But we also don't know if it was just I got depressed because I got depressed. So at the time, we thought, well, that's what it was. We thought it was the stress of school and being picked on. Yeah, those could lead to it for sure. Um, so you mentioned earlier that uh, you had liked school a lot, you know, uh, back when you were talking about fifth grade and being diagnosed, how you um, were, were gone for the week and then things were back to normal. Um, how did being really put in a, an, another class, um, the learning center, um, uh, how did that really change your outlook on school? Was it one of those things that um, changed everything or was it just uh, a small road bump? It was a, it was actually a real positive for me because, um, I mean, though I had to admit that I was not, uh, that I needed some extra help. My family was really, uh, in, really good at school. They were national honor students and um, I needed a little extra help. And the thing that made me feel really good in there is that I looked around at the other people in the learning center and I actually was used to help them a lot. I knew that I was at the high end of that group, that I just needed a little extra help. I needed untimed tests. I needed, you know, sometimes, a, but for the most part, I didn't really need to be in there as much as a lot of the other ones did. So I felt like they gave me the extra help I needed. Uh, you know, I could take the, I could take a test in the, um, away from the class so I could be in an isolated place and take it. And I, I could take it untimed. Um, and I could help out the other people that were, uh, in fact, one time in high school, I got to help somebody learn a, a book and I got out of uh, a paper I didn't want to have to do. So it was, um, I, I knew that I had some problems, but I was not as bad off as others were. So I, I did not feel like this was that much of a speed bump for me. It was actually very helpful. You know, when you look at something like that, you know, that, that could have thrown you off course, but you went around and turned it into a positive. And I'm I'm sure it felt really good to be able to help other students in that class, you know, 
get their work done and, and really um, show them how to do things. And, and that's that's a really cool experience from the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was not bad. I mean, and I had the same person for three years that was my tutor in that. Um, so for the first three years I was there. And you said that was from uh, seventh grade to what year again? Uh, senior year. So the entire time I was in junior high and high school, our our seventh grade, we had all seventh grade through twelfth grade was all in the same building. Our high school was all in the same building. We didn't have uh, a middle school or anything like that. So really, um, going through the the rest of your school in that class, kind of walk me through once you graduate, what what kind of life events happened? Um, how did things start uh, turning uh, into uh, adulthood? Well, before uh, there was one uh, incident, major incident before I graduated, when I was uh, uh, going into my um, senior year, I was a. It was after my junior year. I was probably around seventeen years old. Um, my there had been some breakdown with my group therapy, and um, my parents just didn't feel that they could handle me at home very well. And um, I felt like I was being double teamed by the two therapists. I felt very comfortable with the female when I was around her by herself. But when the male was added in there, I didn't like him very much. And I thought she took his side. And they ended up, they were going to send me to this, um, a kind of real conservative um, religious uh, boarding school. And it would be with a bunch of boys. I mean, I think there were some girls on the side, but it'd be a boy's dorm and everything like that. And I am quite liberal. I am not conservative at all. I, I'm not very religious. And um, I thought this would just be the end of my life, basically, if I ended up going there. So I rebelled against that. And I was going to, I took, you know, I was going to cut myself. Um, I don't think I was that serious at this particular time about that. But um, my brother tried to take the knife away, and he ended up getting cut. The cops got called. And this was the first and only time I've ever been put in a hospital. I was there just for the weekend. And um, I was in band at my high school. And that uh, weekend, we when it's, it was band camp. And uh, after we were done with that, we would go to an amusement park and it always rained every year, except it didn't rain this year. So I was also, I was angry at my family for putting me through this so that I actually missed out on this. Now, luckily, they decided after this that they were not going to send me to the boarding school because it was a very important for me to, you know, beat my high school. I It was a national school of excellence. It was a very good school. And the senior year is going to be my easiest year yet because I didn't have to take a whole lot of classes. And because of the um, learning center, I didn't have to, you know, take science my last year uh, or math. So I was going to be able to kind of cruise through, which I did. It was the easiest year I've ever had. Um, And so um, when I graduated, uh, well, after the incident, my sister, older sister said, that the psychologists work for you so you can get somebody else. So I got a different psychologist. And then I went to college with that one. Wow. It sounds like a lot of different moving parts and some turning points along the way. Um, you know, starting with the self-harm and, and having um, you yeah. know, your brother intervene during one of the episodes of it. Um, so you have mentioned that you went into a psychiatric hospital. Um, being that you went, um, uh, it, it didn't sound like you consented um, to going. Did you feel trapped in a way? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I got put on, I guess, suicide watch. Is the, um, they made me eat with the plastic knives and forks and... Uh, I was supposed to have group therapy, but I was only there for the weekend. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to go to the group therapy sessions. Uh, As far as I was concerned, um, nothing was wrong. It was my parents' fault. You know, my parents forced that out of me because they were trying to make me go somewhere that I didn't want to go. So I, I don't know if I even admitted that I had a real 
at that point I had a real issue that it was, um, it was just, and, um, but I do remember that, uh, before that, when my, uh, when the cops came, um, when I was going, my brother mentioned that I wasn't a dangerous person. And so I'm just thinking, this is not me. Um, I'm not dangerous. I'm not, you know, I'm not dangerous to myself. I'm not dangerous to other people. So I don't know why I'm on uh suicide watch. Uh, but, you know, later in life, I've, I've had more suicidal uh, thoughts and stuff. So um, it's, I don't know, like I said, I don't know before how serious I actually was about it, but being dead was something I thought about a lot. And so when I did think about that, I'm like, well, you know, I would think about like people who would come to my funeral and stuff like that. So it, I can say this much. I decided I was never going back to a mental institution again. I was never going back to the hospital. Uh, and I haven't gone back since then. That's a lot going on all at once, uh, starting with the suicidal thoughts. It's so distressing when you have them, and it has so many emotions going on all at once. And having it, you know, lead to a psychiatric stay, especially your first psychiatric stay, can be overwhelming. And being having the, those feelings that you were being held against your will and without giving consent. Would you say that all of this was a turning point in your recovery and then in your life as well? Well, I did have one more severe, uh, it was just when I was seeing my uh, last doctor that actually diagnosed me properly, I did have one more severe um, uh, suicidal thing. It was um, when I moved out um, when I actually had come back from school, school, I came back from school cause I was depressed and, um, and I, um, uh, this was after a couple, uh, incidents. I, you know, I had worked at a pizza place and that didn't work out cause I got depressed again. And eventually, um, I had seen the, the new doctor that diagnosed me. My dad had, um, worked at a, a, a school a, a college, a state college, and had hired, um, they had hired a new uh, psychiatrist and we got into there and I got diagnosed as the rapid cycling bipolar uh, anxiety disorder. But at some point when I, when we moved out with my friends, we moved out with a couple of my friends into college, I mean, into a, uh, an apartment. And shortly after that point, both of um one of my roommates didn't have a job at the time, and the other two, uh, the other one and me, both lost our jobs. We both got laid off. Um, and I then uh, put all my faith into my college, my favorite college team winning the national championship, and they lost in the championship game by like at the last second shot. And so I about drove my car into traffic. And, um, that was a big step in the, into my recovery. Cause once I stopped doing that, I was like, I can't just take everything so seriously. And, you know, things got better after that. We got jobs, we both got jobs again and, you know, but I had to maintain the apartment for like, with the, all the money I saved up from my job at the theater that I worked at before for, uh, like, three months I had to pay for everything that's that sounds like a lot a um, lot of responsibility uh, for you to to take on and um, so let's let's backtrack a bit um, having the work history um, kind of talk about um, your experience with with going through multiple jobs from the sounds of it yeah so the uh, the first real, I mean, the first real job I had, I would say, was at a, at the pizza place when I, because um, I, I couldn't really work when I was in high school very well because I was having trouble with my studies. Um, and that was when I got back after being, de uh, after being depressed when I went to the, uh, uh, I went to a school for, I, I was there for a semester and then in the, in the second semester I ended up coming home. And I worked at the pizza place and I was doing fine. Um until uh, I got 
I showed up one day, I was smiling, and then the next day I was crying. And um, again, I, you know, at this point, my family and I had always thought that the stress came from school. I mean, but this, there was nothing going on. It was, and the job was easy. I was a busser. You know, I bust tables. That's all. Uh, it was not a hard job. So I went to my psychologist and I told him this. And he's like, why don't you just start flinging pizzas around? And uh, I didn't understand what he was talking about. And then he's like, oh, he thinks I'm just making this up. He thinks I'm just playing games with him. He doesn't think I'm really seriously have an issue. So I dropped him and we tried another doctor and then we tried to. Um, and that's when I got diagnosed. But then I started then I worked out uh, at. Um, uh, another theater and uh, at this theater. uh I was fine up until one day, a mystery shopper, uh, which is somebody who comes in and you, you, you know, you have to like upsell if you're like, uh, in the, if you're, um, working at the, if you're working where you're selling the, uh, the food or something, the concession stand, or for me, I would have just have to basically smile and tell them which direction to go. I told him which direction to go, which told him which theater, but I didn't smile because I was, I was depressed. And I, they got on me about that because I, I failed that shirt, that shopper. I didn't get the extra money and they, uh, and I made them look bad, I guess. So I went and talked to the, um, management and told them, you know, I tried to get off door. Uh, I tried to get off where I, I was standing there where I was obvious and wanted to go clean the theaters. Um, but they wouldn't let me. And I said, I, cause I told them I couldn't smile. And I said, I, you know, and he said, well, if you, Next, if you can't, how about this? We'll put you on popping shifts, which means popping popcorn, which would give me at the most maybe 16 hours a week. And I was making upwards of 30 hours a week. I was working about 30 hours a week, at least almost as much as any supervisor was. And he's like, until you can guarantee that that won't happen again. And I said, the only thing I can guarantee is that it will happen again. I've got depression. <laughs> um, I know it will happen again. But I know at the same time, I can work. I just can't smile. I can go do my job. Even if I'm like crying to myself or something like that, I can go out and I can, you know, I can clean the theater. And so I quit. And um, I found out later that if I really wanted to, I probably could have sued, but and that would have been, you know. So I went and I worked at a video store and... um had the same issue with the video store where it was uh, not exactly the same. I just was slow. I had trouble working um, at the um, taking out, you know, doing the cash register. So they put me where I was putting the, uh, where I was putting stuff away uh, just a couple hours, but my hands would shake sometimes and I couldn't read the videos Um because I was, you know, had the anxiety, which I hadn't been diagnosed as, um, as actually, I think I might've been diagnosed as anxiety at this point, but I would, my hands would shake. And so, um, I had, you know, eventually stopped working there and I worked at a historical park and that was great, but there were times where I was too depressed to work at the historical park. And so, um, I had a, when I had a very good boss, it worked out well, an understanding one, but the second one that came in after, the one that came in after her didn't understand me as well. So I worked there for, uh, up until the point that they stopped having, um, paid in, uh, paid employees for, uh, they started doing volunteer, um, guides at, in, in the buildings. And, um, eventually I got my doctor kept talking to me and I got getting disability. And I think at the time I was working at the, uh, the theater, cause I went back to the same theater, the same company, but a different boss. And I was working at the historical park. I was on disability at the time, but eventually I decided it's not worth it. I'm making money off disability and it's not worth it for all the stress to do a job. So I've been out of work for a long time at this point. And, um, I, I'm thinking about trying to go back to a job at some point now, but I, I, you know, it's, 
it's been tough for me working. That brings up a really good point. Oftentimes when we're looking at people with mental health conditions that their job history may be very, um, you know, holding several jobs that are in short periods of time. And that can be because of many reasons, including stress and being symptomatic in the workplace or just not being able to get along with other people. Um, when you're talking about having a employer that wasn't understanding of your depression at the time and with the secret shopper coming and you were unable to just show the opposite emotion of what you were feeling, it shows that there is a lack of understanding for mental health conditions in the workplace and, and just more work needs to be done to change that. How would you say um, you got into college around this time? Well, initially when I went to school right out of high school is that going to the high school that I went to, it was just everybody went to school. Um, you know, we were not, as I said, we were a really good school and it was just something that we do. Everybody in my, uh, both my brother and my sister went to good schools. Uh, my younger sister after me went to a good school. It's just something you do. So um, I decided to go to one and I was doing, I was doing well there. I mean, I was a C student and in high school, and I was um, a B student and um, and, uh, the college, and I went to immediately. And then after um, working some, when I came back, I went back to a state college here uh, that was really close to it, the one that my dad worked at. And I went to a community college uh, also when I was having trouble, when eventually it got too expensive to go to the state school. And I was like on the uh, I was on the uh, dean's list at the um, state school. I actually had one quarter. I had a um, straight A's, but the problem would be I would I would go for a quarter or two, and then I would drop all my classes. I would get you know dean's list type grades, and then I would drop all my classes because any time now I started to get back to what I did in high school. I started to get C's or something like that. I was just so stressed feeling that that was below me at this point that I was smarter than that. And part of that is because of how intelligent my family is. But part of it was now I realized that I was actually much more capable than I thought I was. And um, I always thought that I was just a C student, that I was just, you know, average. And now I realize I was not average. I was above average. And, um, I think that's part of the problem. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to go to school. I wanted to be able to do more. But then eventually I realized it doesn't matter. Even if I graduate, I'm never going to be able to do a full-time job. Um, I don't think I'll ever be able to do a full-time job. The stress will just be too much on me. And when I originally went to school, I wanted to be a police officer. And that's way too stressful. That's why I went to the school I went to initially. It was, um, uh, had a, criminal justice program and um so uh that's why i decided to stop eventually i decided to stop because it's like i don't matter it doesn't matter if i can graduate what went through your head at that that moment when you you realize that even if i do go through you know even if i do get this degree i won't be able to necessarily work in the full capacity um this that that can be hard at such a young age you know in in your 20s because oftentimes college students when they go to school they they get their degree and then they have a career yeah i was pretty defeated when i realized i couldn't um finish uh i mean i knew that early on i i, I really knew that deep down um probably back when i went to college for the very first time that i wasn't going to be able to finish but I certainly kept trying. And um, when when I was like in my 20s, later in my 20s, I that's when I kind of just eventually gave up. And I, I realized it was, uh, but I still feel defeated. Uh, my biggest, my worst dreams that I have at night, I'm always at school. Uh, usually at the school that I went to, um, 
right out of uh, high school. That was leaving that school was a turning point in my life um, because I it was kind of like I failed and I've never been able to climb back that hill um, since then. Um, and so I, that was probably my biggest uh, disappointment. Sometimes when we have our own high expectations for ourselves, when we see others achieve things quicker and have more achievements that may make ourselves feel inadequate at times. Yeah, and it, this was something I worked through with therapy a lot, and um, that's one of the things that was so much better, finding a, a, a right doctor, because when I, not just with the medication, but when I went to the doctors before, uh, just like the psychologist I had a rapport with her but it wasn't the same thing as this one and the one that I went to see was a psychiatrist who also did the therapy and so she would actually talk to me not like the psychiatrist I went to who would I would sit in his office for 45 minutes he talked to me for five minutes and not even really get a feel of what how I felt and give me the medication. This was one I would talk to for an hour. And she, you know, I did the she did the therapy and the medication. And um I was therefore I felt like something was happening. And so I would talk through her with all the problems that I had. And then she could also help me with the medication. And so she helped me through this part. And she was the one that, you know, kind of guided me and said, you know, it's okay if the, if you don't, if you don't do school and if it's okay, if you don't work. And so I don't think that it, I could have got through that without my therapist and my family, my family helped out a lot too. They tried to tell me that my older sister would always tell me that she thought, you know, I was really smart. They all said I was smart, but she said I might be the smartest one because I had so, so much in the family because I had so much more to deal with than they did. Um, I don't know if I agree with her on that. I don't think I do, but I, I get the sentiment and it was nice of her to say that. You know, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, once you find the right, you know, provider, um, you know, what the, the difference can be in terms of progress. And it sounds like your, um, psychologists are, um, really, um, made all the difference in, in helping you get through that uh, realiza- realization and, and getting to a place where you are at least comfortable with it. Or, um, I mean, obviously it's a, um, a very hard situation that, you know, is, is a lifelong one. But being able to get the, the help you need during that situation really helps. And how did this... Um, kind of get you closer to recovery when we're, we're looking at your, your overall life. How was that point getting you closer to where you are now? Um, well, seeing the therapist um, helped a lot, uh, but I still had some major bumps. Um, uh, the major thing being my family issues was a big thing, especially I not Throughout my life, I, I always got along with my uh, my dad and my brother real well. Uh, my sisters was bumpy. Uh, sometimes we got along pretty well, other times we didn't. And then my mom and I had a uh, kind of a tumultuous relationship. We would uh, get along some, <laughs> but we didn't get along real well all the time. And... Um, when I moved out, it was a lot better. And when my sisters, you know, went to college, everything was a lot better. But, you know, um, and uh, so uh, it was the biggest problems we had were Christmases. And when there was um, a Christmas when everybody was was much older, I had a girlfriend at that point, and um, I, I, w- I had... I had actually was in a, like my third place that I lived. Uh, it was after I left my, um, I had left the roommates I initially had and I had two other places. Uh, I mean, another place after that, and this was the third place I was living at. And um, she was, 
she lived, uh, we didn't live together, me and her, but we were, um, uh, she has, and she was a disabled, she had a walker. And we had this um, argument, uh, me and my sisters did. We were playing uh, the game, uh, playing a game, and we had an argument over, it was, it was this, um, it was this game, apples to apples, and you have to compare something with something else. And they were comparing aggression to like either mating season. So men uh, were aggressive. And that was my older sister saying that. And it felt like she was talking about me. And then my sister was saying how it had punk rock music and how that was aggressive. And again, I took that personally because I'm a big fan of punk rock music. And my dad was using the assassin, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald, who assassinated the uh, our president Lincoln. Lincoln. And I should have just done that and not even, you know, listened to their arguments. Just said it's Lee Harvey Oswald because I'm a history, I'm a history buff. But I kind of argued with them and got so it got so upset that uh, my young sister uh, she got up and she stormed out, which she had every right to storm out. Uh, I would have, I would have got up and left myself. So that's what we were taught. We were taught if there's a fight, leave. You know, um, I I was taught that by my therapist. They were, you know, that was something that we try to tell each other to leave. The only problem was she she drove off in the car that had my girlfriend's walker, and for some reason I couldn't drop that. So I stayed there, got somewhat confrontational with my mom my sister other sister thought I was going to hurt her which I wasn't and it just evolved into a really bad situation where uh, I ended up tackling my sister because I thought she was going to call the cops and she looked kind of aggressive um, and we all decided we weren't going to talk to each other so me and my two uh, two sisters and my mom didn't talk to each other for a while my mom was the first one to break down. She decided after about maybe six months that she was going to go to a therapist for the first time that I ever remember her going to a therapist to repair the relationship with me. Um, and then she eventually said, hey, David, she wanted me to come and talk to the therapist with her because she was a good group therapist and eventually got our sisters to my sisters to come down and we worked that out so that was I think the first I mean I had been in recovery but this was I think the first major step in fixing my relationship with my family this is really um that that situation at uh, Christmas was a turning point in getting not only you back to the therapy part but also your family to really work together and, and find solutions and find ways to kind of work together as a family again. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> I think that they had a little bit more understanding of, of me, uh, that therapist was really good. And, uh, my therapist has said she couldn't do group therapy because she had a bias with me. <laughs> she would take my side on everything. Um, but I think my mom's therapist understood me very well too. And so, um, uh, we did have, uh, another incident, uh, another Christmas, um, a little bit later where I had another fight with my younger sister and my mom. And, uh, my dad had mentioned that because <clears throat> I was mostly more verbally abusive sometimes when I was, you know, <clears throat> because my voice gets raised. And um, threaten somebody or something like that. I mean, I had, I had, you know, I thought it was more civil rivalry than me. I had like maybe hit my sister somewhere when I was younger, but or my mom. But that was, you know, not that was very un, that was very occasional. It wasn't a major thing. I wasn't very abusive like that. But my dad said when you during this fight, <clears throat> when I argued with him, he said when you abuse my um, with the women in my family. Um, I get very upset and I'm like, I never thought of it like that before. I never thought that I had, and as I realized I'm not an abusive person, I realized that I had had sometimes abusive, um, actions, at least mentally, uh, at least, uh, verbally. 
And so I realized that my dad, who's an ethics professor and somebody who I really um, admire, if he thinks that, then there must be something to it. So I've got to change my behavior. And we've had very few fights, me and either of my sisters or my mom, since then. I'm glad those relationships started to improve. When we look at sibling rivalry and mental illness, it gets a little complicated compared to a quote-unquote regular uh, sibling relationship. And it's because of things like rumination and uh, a lot of agitation from, you know, depending on uh, what triggers um, the argument, really. And I think it's more common than not um, when we're looking at siblings and even siblings with mental health conditions. And um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the main thing is, is I had to realize that I had to calm my temper down. Because um, these, like you said, these little civil rivalries, they would not have escalated so quickly if I didn't have this hypomania. I would not have gotten so angry. Uh, I would have let stuff go. I wouldn't have followed people when they walked away from me, which is what happened a lot when a fight was happening and they were trying to get away from me. I'd follow them. <laughs> and um, now I just kind of, I, if I get upset, I walk I walk away. I... I kind of am like a, a toaster with my anger. I heat up real fast, like get angry really quickly, but then about a half an hour, I'm okay. So if I can get about a half an hour space from the situation, I'm usually pretty calm. Now, sometimes the people that I got into the fight with, they're not calm at that point. So, but me, I usually can calm down pretty quickly. Uh, I just, I get, I can get really angry or really upset very fast. And so now I have to, understand that I can get angry very fast. So if I'm getting angry, I got to just walk away from the situation. Yeah. And you know, the thing is with therapy is the longer that you go and the more effort and uh, work you put into it, the more you can become self-aware, which allows you in the long run to be able to identify and make changes in your life. You had mentioned that you've gone through um, several therapists and, um, you know, years of therapy. What were some of the positive experiences that you've gained from therapy? Um, so, yeah, my uh, psychiatrist was, again, a, a teacher at the uh, University of Medical School. And she, first of all, I she got me involved in um, helping out her students with either I would do a video where they could of one of my sessions that they could see, or they would also, um, I was in a class, um, with, uh, where they would, uh, ask me questions and get a diagnose and figure out what my diagnosis was. And then they would talk to me afterwards. And, and, um, and that was pretty helpful for them. It was pretty helpful for me. Um, I also, I had residents would, uh, sit in on some of my sessions and, um, so a lot of that was very good. It was spread a lot of awareness, I think, helped them learn. It also helped me learn about myself, and it helped me learn a lot of things. Uh, like uh, a lot of those people, even the some of the residents were around my age by the time I was doing it, and it helped me learn that I was not quite um, where they were, so I had to do something I call adulting a little bit, um, which is <clears throat> I'm not necessarily all that, I don't know if people realize that when you're dealing with mental illness, a lot of times you don't develop as quickly mentally or at least as everybody else. Like I'm behind on a lot of my skills to like that a lot of people learn when they're younger because I've been struggling with so much stuff. So taking care of everyday stuff like bills and things like that, that's been harder for me to do than it probably is for a lot of other people my age uh, because my dad's helped me out a lot through that because it's been really hard for me to do all that stuff. So that's one of the things that we've been working on is trying to make sure that I can take care of all my bills, take care of all the stuff, especially since my parents are in their 80s at this point and um, want to make sure that, you know, I can uh, 
do stuff better on my own. I, I, I know that I live on my own, but I have a lot of support from the rest of my family. So that's part of what the therapists have been trying to do. And I've been working on that for a while. Um, I got, I got two new, I got a new therapist and a new uh, doctor now because my uh, old therapist uh, retired. And um, that's what we, that's what we basically work on a lot. And uh, also my relationships with my friends as well. That's also very important, you know, yeah, and you know, um, what you said was very, very important to to note because um, when when people do develop mental health conditions uh, in childhood, oftentimes it takes so much work and effort to just survive childhood. Um, you know, in terms of you know having to go to school, having to do all the regular things at the regular times, and um, trying to then develop at the, the same age, um, is hard, you, you know, like you said, with, uh, having to kind of relearn how to pay bills and do the day-to-day things that other people might know how to do, but people with psychiatric conditions can also, if it starts early enough in the childhood, they, they miss those steps and it does take longer for them to get, you know, on the same, um, same page as everyone else. Um, so talking about recovery, tell me a little bit about, um, what recovery has brought to your life and, um, any big plans for the future with that? Uh, it's, I, I guess peace a little bit. Um, I feel much more comfortable. I feel much more like myself. Uh, a lot of the time when I'm, um, and, you know, I also can see when things are coming better. Like, if I start realizing that I'm feeling bad, I start realizing what I need to do to fix it. Like, am I not taking my medication? And that's that's one of those things that, you know, I, you need to work. Because if you miss your medication once, and then you start feeling bad, or once or twice... And then you start forgetting because now you're depressed. And when you're depressed, you forget a lot of stuff. So uh, I can start to see that um, I am thinking, like I said earlier, uh, about doing a job. I got uh, certified as a peer support specialist in the state of Ohio. So I'm thinking about possibly taking a job there. Um, I'm old enough now um, to uh, take the Lifelong Learning Institute, which is for people who are 50 and over in the state of Ohio, um, which is classes. So I'm just going to take some classes that are non-credit, you know, not, I don't have homework or anything like that, but I get to take some credit uh, classes and learn some stuff. Um, uh, eventually I'm thinking about moving to, uh, Washington DC, uh, with my, where all my siblings live. And the problem is, is I need to probably, I might need to save up some money (laughs) Because it's really expensive there, and hopefully in about five years or so. Um, because as I said, my parents are like they're mid eighties, so uh, right now I need to stay here and help take care of them. I mean, help watch them, not take care of them. They're 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 living on their own and everything like that. But I need to help them in case they need somebody to help with stuff at the house and help like in the garden and things like that. I might you know they're and. Uh, also keep an eye on them and let my sisters and stuff know, you know, if they need to come home for any length of time or anything like that. So it's, um, so I've got that going on right now. Um, I'm doing, uh, things here at the clubhouse where, uh, I'm host, I'm, I'm hosting the, um, the sister kind of, it's sponsored by the, uh, um, Power Half Hour Powering Discussions. We're starting to work on that, which is a discussions of mental health issues um, with usually members of the Miracle Clubhouse. Um, so, and I'm working w- with a writer's workshop here. So, we're, I'm trying to do things that um, finally get to active. Uh, and I play tennis a lot. Tennis is one of my recovery. Uh, it's it's good for my recovery. It's also just something I enjoy doing. A lot. 
but it keeps me active. It keeps me um, doing stuff. And, um, and so there's, and also, also joined the, uh, the board of my, um, club there and I'm running tournaments. I became a tournament director at that club. So I'm doing a lot more stuff and I feel like I'm not just sitting around doing nothing like I did for years. It sounds like a lot of fulfilling work and it sounds like a lot of variety too, going from tennis and all the way to a writer workshop. You mentioned the new podcast that you're hosting, and I wanted to fill in our, our listeners in about Empower Half an Hour is coming up with a second podcast, and it's not the same format that you're used to with the one-on-one. It's going to be a group discussion with people with lived experience and um, covering a wide variety of topics on how... Um, it relates to mental health and, and really living in um, today's society. So uh, if you're interested in more of a group discussion on a podcast, I encourage you to look out for um, empowering discussions, which will be out hopefully within the next month. i like to thank our guest, David Reese, for coming on today. If you're interested in learning more about Empower Half an Hour, go to our website, www.empowerhalfanhour.com. And until next time, have a great day, everyone.